Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camel wear at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com. And by Ducks Unlimited, a proud sponsor of our show and of duck hunters everywhere. Ducks.org. We're also brought to you by the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, castlerock-petenwell.com, and by Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center, woodsideranch.com. I'm Dan Small. Today we'll discuss the ethical use of new technology by both anglers and hunters with Luke Lowy of Omnia Fishing and outdoor columnist Ben Moyer. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, presented by Pappas Trading Post. They are Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer, and they're located just west of Arena, where Highway H goes south from Highway 14. And if you look for those two giant arrows there on the side of the highway, on the south side of 14, you can't miss it. You can also find them on the web at PappasTradingPost.com. You hear this feature every week at this time on Fox Sports 1070 WTSO and anytime at all on our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Lakelink, iHeartRadio, OutdoorNews.com, and other platforms as well. And joining us from the Trading Post again is J.C. Chamberlain. Well, J.C., welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us back. It's always a pleasure. Well, gosh, we haven't talked to you now in two weeks, and right after the last time we talked, your daughter, Haley, had some pretty exciting hunts, didn't she? Uh, she did. She um, definitely took full advantage of the youth weekend, that's for sure. <laughs> we ended up shooting, or she shot a doe that Saturday evening. Ended up just shooting the one, but we had a bunch of deer around on the farm. Uh, we only ended up seeing, had three come out where we could get at them, and uh, she made just over a hundred yard shot, hundred and one to be exact. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> gotta get that one yard in there. Oh yeah. Deer ran thirty, forty yards and tipped over, just got back into the woods. Pretty neat experience there. She actually is the first one that she's really helped drag out. The beans were still up and stuff, so we couldn't get a vehicle out there and so we threw them in the jet sled and she pulled it probably the first about the first half part of it, which is a little bit downhill but not much, and she drug it up about 200 yards or so, and then I got to take over. The following night on Sunday there, we ended up sitting up on a different field, and I'm on some alfalfa, and she shot one pretty early. We had some good movement about 5.30 or a little after, and then she shot the next one, I would say right around 6 or maybe quarter after 6. Uh, we had a nice you know, young 8-pointer come out. That was plenty big enough for her, so she put the wall up on that one and actually almost shot a third one that night oh uh, i kind of held her off <laughs> we already had the, the three to take care of and i'm like honey i don't have any place to store it so we'll come back on a different night so. yeah and somebody's got to butcher and cut up and skin and, and do everything with those deer and i know who that somebody uh, is <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing. I usually do all our own stuff, and I was definitely busy. She kept me busy for the next total. I think I had them done before the following Friday, but kept cracking at it. But we got them all in the freezer and ready to consume, so wonderful. pretty fun. Wonderful. Now, how did she take that experience? Obviously, she enjoyed it, or she wouldn't have kept shooting deer. <laughs> yeah, she loves to shoot. I know in the past here, of course, with CWD and stuff, she was a little bit put out a little bit because the last couple deer she had shot were positive. Yeah. And so she was worried, you know, oh, we can't eat them and that kind of thing. And so this year, actually, we've gotten the test back from one of them already, and it was negative. So that was pretty awesome. Good. Um, so she's pretty excited about that. And, you know, the landowner kind of gave her free reign as far as, you know, shoot what you want to shoot because we needed to get some numbers down a little bit. And so she's super excited about that. Nice. She's been uh, begging to go back out with the crossbow. We just haven't had time yet. All right. Well, <laughs> she's ahead of the of the game as far as uh, piling up the deer this year. She's only 11, right? That's correct. She actually turned 11. That uh, would have been middle of September. She's uh, kind of starting to get the bug a little bit more than past years, and it's kind of really neat to see. I'm hoping by next year she'll pull enough poundage so I can feel comfortable having her shooting the compound. Very good. Well, 
Speaking of bows, let's talk about the archery season. Have you and Randy and the other guys been out? I've been basically spending time with Haley in the woods, so I really haven't hunted myself yet. But uh, a few of the other guys have been out, shot some does. As far as buck side goes, none of us have killed anything yet. Um, the neighbor actually killed a really good one this past weekend. He shot one of the target deer. They've definitely been up and moving a little bit more, starting to really get on those scrapes and that kind of thing. And This time of year, that's about right. We usually start seeing them cranking up and really hitting those scrape lines pretty hard here. Well, what should hunters be doing now the last two weeks of October? My recommendation is if you have been in the woods and found scrape lines, stuff like that, definitely a good time to be focusing a little bit more on those. In the past, had very good luck with mock scrapes or even doctoring up some scrapes that are already there. And this time of year, that scent usually helps kind of keep them coming or a little bit more regular. And it's getting that time where, you know, we're going to start seeing those first does kind of pop into heat here pretty quick. Usually right around Halloween is when that really gets cranking, it seems. And time of day is less important when that happens, right? Yeah, it seems like, you know, as we get going here especially towards the latter part of October there, definitely going to start seeing that, you know, anytime you can be in the woods is a great time to be in the woods. And they seem to be on their feet moving a lot more. If you can do an all-day sit, you know, usually those last three or four days of the month and then, you know, right in through November at that point until gun season or even after uh, is a really good time to be, you know, spending that extra time in the tree. And the question I've been asking you just about every time if I have in-season equipment failure, what are the chances of getting back in operation in short order? Things are still pretty good. If we have parts, again, you know, you're probably only looking at a day or two at the most, typically. If there is a limiting factor, it would be having to get parts. Some of those are still running a little bit slower, but for the most part, within a week, two at the very outside. Unfortunately, if something does happen, if it's not catastrophic, we can usually get you going you know, if not that day, within the next couple, getting parts. Uh, as far as on the Matthews mission side, that's been actually pretty quick, a couple, three days for the most part. But if something happens with some of the crossbows, that can be a little bit different. They're getting stuff out as quick as they can, but we're still probably running about a week and a half to two weeks if we have a major blowout in cams and axles or limbs or something like that. Uh-huh. And if somebody because of an incident like that, needs a new bow or a crossbow or just wants one, you've got some in stock, right? Yeah, we do have plenty of stock on the new stuff right now. Things are getting a little bit lower, but we still got plenty around. Choices from top to bottom as far as the price point range goes. You know, on the vertical bow side, we've got everything here. And, you know, crossbows, we've got at least one or two of each model, you know, from that bottom end and all the way up to the top. Okay. Do you stock any used bows? Uh, we don't usually do anything used, especially in the crossbow side. Just never know, you know, what could go wrong, would go wrong. There's mm -hmm. a lot of liability there. So. I see. Yeah. Okay. But other gear like arrows and um, stands and blinds, you've got you've got some of that on hand. Oh, absolutely. So we got a good stock of Millennium tree stands mm -hmm. and accessories there. Some Shadow Hunter box blinds. If guys are still interested in putting those up other soft-sided stuff as well. Gray light would be one of those. And then pop-up blinds, broadheads, arrows, all that stuff. we got a very healthy stock, so we're not going to run out of those. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I bought a couple of Millennium stands from you. Gosh, it must have been five, six years ago now, and they've served us well, and we'll be using them again this gun season. My son's uh, hunting out of one now during bow season already. Yeah, they make a great stand, and you know, with that, they do include a lifeline with all their stands now, so super important piece of safety equipment. So. It, it certainly is. Well, before we let you go, store hours? Monday through Friday, 10 to 6, and then Saturday, 9 to 5. All right. Well, good luck to you and Haley and to everybody there at the store, and uh, tell Haley she can take a little break now and let Dad shoot one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell her that. Yeah, so. she's doing very well, and that's great that she's really into it. Yeah, it's been really cool on my end to just see that experience and see her kind of grow into it. It's okay. pretty neat. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, thanks again, and good luck to everybody. All right. 
J.C. Chamberlain with the Madison Report from Pappas Trading Post, Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission Archery retailer on Highway 14 just west of Arena and on the web at PappasTradingPost.com. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio right after this. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission Archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. Well, joining me once again from his home in Wisconsin Rapids, Jeff Kelm. Well, Jeff, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I had a full show last week. I didn't even have time to talk to you, and I apologize for that. But uh, you probably are catching up after the end of tournament season, right? Oh, I am. I'm. I, it's it's always a matter of playing catch up. Uh, it's everything to get done before you know you get into a full season rut action and uh, and and uh, freeze up. You know, I got uh, chickens to take care of and bees to take care of and things like that. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Any bow hunting yet? No bow hunting yet. No, I've uh the the deer I was watching uh stopped uh, coming around after <laughs> the uh first week of October, which is you know, that's pretty common and uh I don't know who else is hunting around me, but I imagine there's probably seen a little bit of pressure since then. And so uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping maybe a nice hard cold front here in the coming days will make uh make a big difference there. Well, it's all going to change soon. We know that. Sure. So, did you see this? The BASS officials announced they're going to continue the use of forward-facing and live sonar for the 2024 Elite Series season, but they're creating a committee to monitor the use of it and listen to angler feedback. Uh, they're, they're kind of treading softly on this, but they are looking at the impact on competition. Uh, and and other things as well on, on bass population. I think that's the the real important issue. Uh, what's your take as a tournament director? Yeah, well, the the genie's out of the bottle already. You're not going to turn back the time on on technology. Um, we need to work around it. There are some regulations you can put in place. The biggest deal is Dan in the bass world. Anglers will show up with five separate units mounted to the front of their boat. Five separate transducers. Oh. Five separate screens. And uh, I have a feeling what we'll see is a regulation on how many forward-facing units you can have in your boat at any given time. I, I believe that's where we're headed. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and report on it as we learn what's new. And speaking of technology, last week, you remember, I had a guest on audiologist Dr. Laura Vinopal of Professional Hearing Care, LLC. Well, Jeff, I bit the bullet and I got hearing aids. Well... <laughs> That's probably for the best. Uh, my wife worked in the hearing aid world for a long time, and most people that got them were uh, much happier with the results than uh, without them. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that she, she had. Yeah. Well, I can't believe how much I've been missing. I know because I don't hear birds that, you know, the high-pitched birds. But, uh, man, uh, I'm going to be reporting on this as the time goes by. But, if uh, folks, if you're suffering hearing loss or if you've got ringing in your ears, by all means, go see an audiologist. The testing doesn't hurt. 
and it'll open your eyes and your ears to what's going on. And uh, speaking of technology, we're going to explore the use of new technologies in both the hunting and fishing realm and ask our guests to weigh in on the impact of some of these new technologies on the sports that we all love, of course. Our guests are Luke Lowy, a young bass angler who manages social media for online retailer Omnia Fishing, and longtime outdoor writer, a good friend of mine, columnist and book author Ben Moyer. He's going to look at current trends in hunting and hunter attitudes. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Cold temperatures are on the way. If you're a hunter, you'll want to stay out longer, no matter what the thermometer says. Arctic Shield, L&M Fleet Supply, and Outdoor News are teaming up to give away the best cold weather hunting gear in the industry. Between now and the end of October, you can win a full set of Arctic Shield Classic Elite Parka and Bibs. We'll give away two full sets per week in October. To enter, just click on the contest tab at OutdoorNews.com. Step outside, let us be your guide. Florence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camo pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth gear is what you're looking for. Huntworthgear.com. That's Huntworthgear.com. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining me now from Uniontown in southwest Pennsylvania is outdoor writer Ben Moyer. He, like me, is a member of the Outdoor Writers Association of America. He's written for a lot of publications. Some of them you'll recognize, I'm sure. Gray's Sporting Journal, The Bugle, Pheasants Forever magazine, and he writes for a number of Pennsylvania publications, including a column that he does called Ridgelines that runs in Pennsylvania Outdoor News. And that's a sister publication to Wisconsin Outdoor News and Minnesota Outdoor News. And I just read a column of his, and that's why I'm calling him. He's also just published a collection of essays called Smoke to See By, and you can find that online at sunbury, S-U-N-B-U-R-Y, press.com. Ben, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's a real pleasure. 
It's been a while since I've seen you. It's nice to talk. Yes, it is. We met at an Outdoor Writers Conference a number of years ago, and we have kept in touch but not spoken much. But your recent column called Nick's the Get-It-Done Syndrome, and we'll ask you where that came from, is what spurred my idea to give you a call and to get you on the show. You share some concerns about what you call contemporary trends in hunting and what those misgivings portend for the future and what they say about our modern motivations to hunt. What is the issue as you see it and as you spell it out in that column? Well, I've been thinking about those kinds of things for a long time, but that column that was actually distilled in my thinking as a result of a phone conversation I had with a friend of mine about a week before that, who is an avid and skilled bow hunter, as I said in that column. And we both agreed in our conversation that there just seems to be, and, and I think that everybody can pick up on this, there just seems to me to be in contemporary hunting an aggressive edge to it, a very uh, formulaic aggressive edge in which the most important thing is to get a big buck and especially a bigger buck than your friend or your neighbor. And I mean, that's always been part of hunting, but it seems to be intensifying in recent times and driving the whole thing. To me, when I think of my early introduction to hunting, it wasn't like that. It was a more relaxed, more almost, and I'll just use the word, an almost magical thing. Mm -hmm. Because you didn't know what to expect. Everything was a surprise to you when you went out. Everything that you accomplished was due to your own personal effort that you put into it. Very few technological aids. And it just seems to be moving away from that toward this imperative of a very narrowly defined success. And that narrowly defined success is that buck and the bigger than someone else's. Yeah. And it, the approach to it all seems so industrial and so aggressive now. Think about the names of products now. I'm not going to name products specifically, but the names of products, uh, and it seems to be particularly true in, in archery, are very violent and almost with a hostility toward game. And I don't think I'm imagining this. And I hope that we as hunters can just kind of refocus and remember the magic and the experience outside of that imperative to success. Well, Ben, you say you notice that in particular in some of the hunting shows that you've seen on television, and I would imagine online as well, YouTube shows, uh, that kind of thing. Do you see it in the everyday hunter who's uh, whom you encounter at a cafe or a gas station as well? Yes, I do hear it and sense it and pick it up in conversation and, and as you said, particularly on, on online things, which I don't follow a lot, but I do occasionally. You see this edge, or this aggressiveness. There are exceptions. There are exceptions where the content I salute and am very appreciative of. But I think I see this mostly on some television shows mm-hmm. where there is this imperative to get that buck. And that's where I came up with that phrase that I used in that column, get it done. Because that phrase is used over and over in these shows. Got to go out here and get this done. We're going to see if we can get this done tonight. As if hunting, instead of being this this magical, mysterious, wonderful thing that we can immerse ourselves in, as if it's some kind of a task or mission. And I just think that detracts from it. Okay. Well, you evoke Aldo Leopold, one of my conservation heroes and a name very familiar to most of my listeners and I would think most outdoors enthusiasts in Wisconsin. He thought, and he was talking about modern hunters back in the 1940s, that's 80-some years ago now. He said then modern hunters rely too much on gadgets and not enough on woodsmanship. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but what would he think of today's gear? And I did. I asked that very same thing, or, or or proposed it in that column. But you're right, Aldo Leopold. He he thought of hunting as a noble thing, and a, a noble personal not quest, but a personal opportunity to immerse intimately in nature. And he thought that the use of too much technology detracted from that experience. I do think that this aggressive edge that I'm talking about that it's driven, if that's the right word, by the hunting industry, whatever that is and it permeates the hunting culture. It's done so in order to entice people to buy more equipment. Uh-huh. 
Is there anything we can do to curb this trend, or should we try to? Well, that's a good question. The should we is a good question. I mean, I would not, and I didn't mean by this column to question anybody else's, where they find meaning in hunting. I know where I find meaning in hunting, and I, I think that we should refocus and just remember that there are so many rewards to being in the outdoors, hunting or fishing, that do not necessarily have to end with the biggest deer or the biggest fish. And also that, I think this is a very important point, that as long as you approach hunting and fishing in a legal and ethical way, as Aldo Leopold would have expected of us, because he said, how was it, that one of the most important virtues of hunting and fishing is that there's no audience to observe what you do out there. It's all it's all up to you. Yeah. But uh, circling back now, I think the point I want to make is that as long as you hunt and fish legally and ethically, then your experience is equally valid to anyone else's, whether they kill a big buck and whether you miss yours or whether you don't bring one home at all. You were out there, you tried, you made an effort, you were legal and ethical, you contributed to the whole system by buying a license. I hate to see someone demeaned or thought less of as an outdoorsman or an outdoor person because they didn't succeed in this ever-narrowing definition of success that we seem to be living by. Mm -hmm. You're not saying that, well, maybe you are. I mean, so what's wrong with what these get-or-done hunters are, are doing? Okay, what's wrong with it, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, is I think that often they're taking something away from their own potential for greater enjoyment in hunting and fishing. Yeah. I don't know. I'll use one specific example. And I'll probably have probably offended good friends of mine with that column and with this show, but for example, the growing dependence on trail cameras. Okay. A lot of people use them, and a lot of people really enjoy them. Personally, I would rather go into the woods and be surprised by what I see. Mm-hmm. And not know that this nine-point buck is going to come by at and after six. I'd rather be surprised by that. I, I think it's it removes some of the mystery, it removes some of the magic, and the way I think about hunting. I got you. The trail cam advocates would say, well, he came by at 10 after six yesterday, but it doesn't mean he'll do it <laughs> again, you know. That's true. It's a lot more a lot more evidence than you would have without that. That's for sure. And, and one thing that does bug me about, and I think this is an insidious thing in advertising, there's this message that... I'm very uncomfortable with. There's this message that if you use this technology, you don't have to go out in the woods as much. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can let that device do that for you. Sure. Instead of being out in the woods and scouting and learning the deer trail and paying attention to the wind. And, and a lot of hunters do all that anyway. But there is that insidious message that you don't have to participate all that until the expected moment when you're going to go out and kill the deer. And I think that detracts from the whole experience in my opinion. Got it. Well, Ben, we've got to take a break here. Will you stay with us and we'll continue this conversation? Okay. Folks, I'm talking with Ben Moyer, an outdoor writer from Southwest Pennsylvania. And we're talking, if you've been following this, about some of the modern trends in hunting and what the hunters who use some more modern equipment and technologies and so on might be missing. We'll be back and continue this conversation in just a couple minutes. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. I'm talking with Ben Moyer. He's an outdoor writer from Uniontown in southwest Pennsylvania. We've been talking about modern technology and its impact on hunting and really on the minds of hunters, I think, more than anything. And Ben, I guess I'd like to ask you what you think the new hunter or the wannabe hunter sees in the kinds of things that we've been talking about. I think that's a very important question, thinking about people who might get into hunting or have, have 
just recently got into hunting, particularly people that perhaps didn't get into it in the traditional way, like I was fortunate enough to get in, but everybody in my culture around here hunted, my dad and my uncles and so forth. But I would hope that new hunters somehow get a message, which, I, I don't know, seems to me when I was getting started in it, there was a message out there from the state wildlife agencies and from sports owner groups that, you know, this was fun and this was something you want to do and, and you didn't necessarily have to have more success than someone else in order to enjoy it. There were lots of ways to enjoy it, mostly by being legal and ethical and following the rules and progressing at your own pace. And I hope people who are getting into hunting and fishing now would somehow get that message instead of the message that it's very important to have success and you need this product to achieve that success. Mm -hmm. I know we can't paint all hunters with the same brush, but don't you think that even these guys who are really into the killing up big buck and get her done and show it on Facebook or put it on my TV show and, you know, I, as you know, I had my own TV show for more than 30 years and I still do an annual deer hunting show and we focus on how to get a deer and where the deer are and what the forecast is. But we also try to show that it's an enjoyable activity. It's something that we do not just because we want to kill a big buck. Don't you think that those hunters still have some of that sensibility? I think they do if they're fortunate to be exposed to people like you and your product that you put out, or if they're fortunate enough to have someone in their family that conveys that message. I hate to say I don't see that message a lot you know, out in the media. I hate to say that. I, yeah. I just don't. If you know where to look, there's certain publications, certain broadcasts, you can't find that, what I would interpret as a positive message, but I don't think it's the prevalent message. Uh-huh. Okay. Where do we go with this? Um, <laughs> um, at the end of your column, the one that we referred to, Nick's the Get It Done Syndrome in Pennsylvania Outdoor News, you suggest some thoughts that Leopold would embrace. They're not direct quotes, but you say they can be inferred from his writings. Hunting is not a task, it's a gift. Hunting is not a mission, it's a refuge. Hunting is not an assignment. It's an opportunity, and it's not a competition. It's an affirmation that you're an individual human being free to experience the natural world intimately, whose experience, assuming it's legal and ethical, is as personally valid as anyone else's. That's your takeaway message, I guess. Yeah, I would agree. And like you said, I believe that although Leopold would sanction those thoughts, and I think they can be derived from his writings. When I wrote that, I was thinking about what we alluded to earlier when it just seems like there's a message out there now that drives hunting that it's, uh, well, I don't know how else to say it than I did in that column, that it's a mission or mm -hmm. a, it's a task instead of a wonderful opportunity to very intimately and profoundly engage with nature. That's how I think about hunting. I don't think about it as a task or a, a mission, something to get done or to get it done. It's something to forget about everything else while I'm engaged in it, and I don't want it to be over. Uh -huh. I think that's a key, don't want it to be over. Uh, I want to go out again tomorrow afternoon and uh, the next morning whether I get one now or not, whatever the one is. Assuming I still have a tag. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. What would you suggest that hunters who want to introduce new people to the sport, what do you suggest we tell them or we try to show them when we take them out or when we ask them if they would like to go out? Well, I think that new hunters would benefit from a broader introduction to natural history. For one thing, here's an example. I think if you watch a lot of mainline outdoor content, you don't learn anything about the landscape. You're not told anything about the vegetation, unless it's a planted plot, <laughs> artificial. You're not told anything about the geology. And I think that it would enhance the experience for new hunters if they could be introduced in a way in which they simultaneously learn something about the natural history of the place that they're hunting or fishing. That's a huge part of it. 
not just catching that fish or killing that deer, but understanding that it came out of this place and this landscape and this ecosystem, and it depends on this kind of plant and this kind of weather benefits it. And I think that used to be more prevalent from the state agencies, for one thing. That mm-hmm. There used to be a message about natural history. I think people that I knew that hunted and fished when I was much younger seemed to know more about the birds and the trees than I see in contemporary hunting and fishing. And to answer that question that you posed last to me, I think that's the answer. If some way we could communicate a broader picture of how this all knits together. Uh-huh. You know, I think there are a couple of shows, that, and there probably are more, but I think there are a couple of shows that do that. Steve Ranella's Meat Eater is one that comes to mind, and Nick Hoffman, Nick's Wild Ride. I, I don't know if you're familiar with either of those shows. I'm very familiar with Meat Eater, and I would agree with you on that. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not familiar with the second one. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick's Wild Ride, he travels all over the world, and he talks to people in the towns where he's hunting, and... It's as much a cultural experience of the place. I'm thinking of uh, the Italian Alps or uh, wherever else he's uh-huh. been, you know, South America. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's very I'll have interesting. To look that up. Yeah, 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 it's very interesting. Well, gosh, this has been a, an interesting conversation. We could go on, but, you know, an hour is all I've got to work with. <laughs> we'll have to continue uh-huh. this over a beer sometime at a conference or over a camp. I will welcome that. Now, for folks who might be interested in your book, can you give us a sense of what you do in your book titled Smoke to See By? Yes, I've published other books, but this is the most recent one. And it is a selection of 21 essays I've written, some of which were published in other publications, but most of which were not. They're new and original to this publication. They all address many of the things that we've been talking about here a personal relationship with landscape and place and trying to learn as much as you can about that place, its vegetation, its weather, its geology. Some of the essays, they're not about hunting and fishing, but they are set in hunting and fishing experiences. And then in my view, they go beyond the hunting and fishing endeavor to ask questions about the, the landscape and the ecology, that kind of thing. And the title, Smoke to See By, where does that come from? That came from me sitting at a campfire one time thinking about some of these questions and thinking about, in particular, one of the essays that I was working on writing. And I came up with some insights while I was looking into this campfire and watching the smoke rising. So I called that particular story Smoke to See By, and then that's what I selected for the name of the book. Got it. It seemed to fit all of them in a way. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to send our readers in that direction. Uh, they can get a copy at sunburypress.com. Well, Ben, thanks so much for talking with us and sharing your thoughts. Maybe uh, you've spurred a few people to think about why they really do go out there in the woods. And if that's the case, that's a good thing. Well, I enjoyed talking with you, Dan. I always do. We'll do it thanks. again sometime. Thanks for your you bet. Okay. Outdoor writer Ben Moyer from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Again, his latest book is called Smoke to See By. You can pick up a copy at sunburypress.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Attention future hunters. Hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife. 
including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Cold temperatures are on the way. If you're a hunter, you'll want to stay out longer, no matter what the thermometer says. Arctic Shield, L&M Fleet Supply, and Outdoor News are teaming up to give away the best cold weather hunting gear in the industry. Between now and the end of October, you can win a full set of Arctic Shield Classic Elite Parka and Bibs. We'll give away two full sets per week in October. To enter, just click on the contest tab at OutdoorNews.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining me now from Chanhasset, Minnesota, is Luke Lowy. Luke is a native of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and he's an avid fisherman. He won the Wisconsin Youth Bass Fishing Championship twice and the Bass Federation Junior World Championship in Shreveport, Louisiana, before entering high school. He was 14 at the time. And he's a basketball player as well. He played four years of basketball at William and Mary and then a year at the University of Minnesota. And I would say go Gophers, except when they're playing the Badgers, and we'll get into that a little bit, I guess. He also relaunched the University of Minnesota bass fishing team. Well, he's fished a lot of waters in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and now that he's retired from basketball, he does a lot of fishing and he also manages social media for Omnia Fishing, and we're going to ask him about that as well. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram, Luke Lowey, L-O-E-W-E, and he's also all over OmniaFishing.com. Well, Luke, thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. You bet. Now, we've got some listeners in your home area. They're on several stations, so you may want to let people know that they can hear you on the radio this weekend. Now, you've played basketball for Minnesota. Do you follow Minnesota football as well? I follow it a little bit. Not a ton, but I am a Gophers fan, so as hard <laughs> as that might be to hear from a Wisconsin native, that's how it is. Well, you know, you go to college where it works for you, and you spend a year in Minnesota, and you're still there, so... I guess it worked well for you. Well, anyone who follows Minnesota and Wisconsin football knows the series is tied 62 even, and they're playing on November 25th, which is during our gun deer season. You want to make any predictions on that game? Where is it being played? It's in Minnesota. Okay. Ooh. i, I got to take the Gophers on that one. I think maybe there will be less people in Wisconsin tuning in as they're out in the deer stand hunting. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see, but that's interesting, that's tied, that'll be a good game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enough about football, let's talk about fishing, and first of all, Omnia Fishing. For folks who don't know, what is it? We're a fish e-commerce fishing retailer with around 30,000 SKUs in our warehouse. But everything is here on site, so that's kind of what we're known for, is same-day shipping once you put in an order to get you your fishing products as fast as possible. And we're growing really fast right now. We, we just moved new buildings, and, you know, we started off being local with mostly Minnesota anglers, but now we're spread across the country and getting a lot of traction to help people catch more fish on the water and get them all the fish and tackle that they need. So how does Omnia Fishing as a retailer differ from other online retailers? There are a lot of them out there. Right. Our kind of MO is a shop. 
shop by lake models on our website. We give the customers and fishermen the ability to file fishing reports, detailed fishing reports from the bodies of water that they fish across the country and then tag products to those lakes and techniques so that people can go online and search what lake they might be going to and see an in-depth fishing report of the current status of the lake. That can help them make the right picks and buy the right products for that specific lake for that specific time of year. That's kind of what differs us from other retailers. And then also recently we're coming out with Omnia Premium Pro, which gives users the ability to see water temperature layers on the lake. We have mapping layers, depth contours, water clarity, wind layers, and then radar layers. So we got a ton of new things coming with Premium Pro. It's a subscription-based for our site. It's, it's really exciting. It's been in the works for a while now, but it's just a tool that helps the fishing experience go a lot smoother for an angler looking to get out of the water and maximize their time. Okay. You have taken technology, I won't say to an extreme, but it essentially drives what you folks are all about and your business model. Yep, that's correct. We got all of that information updating live as the seasons change and you know, people filing reports every day so that the changing conditions of the lakes are up to date with what's working and what's not. So that helps people make the right choices. And once you put in the order, we get it to you ship same day. If you order before one o'clock so that you can be ready for your fishing trip as soon as possible. All right. Now, speaking of technology, I understand you're Omnia Fishing's resident live scope expert as well. At least that's what they tell yep. me. <laughs> that is true. I really enjoy that. I've been using it now for about two and a half years, and it's been something I've really gotten to learn pretty well. And I use it a lot out on the water for whatever I'm fishing for, bass, walleyes, panfish. I'm not a big musky guy, but I know the musky guys are using it a lot, so I'm pretty... Uh, down a rabbit hole with live scope, if you, if you want to call it that, I guess. Got it. Well, there's a lot of controversy over it. As you know, some of the musky tournaments have banned it. I fished a musky fly fishing tournament last month up in Hayward that my son and I fish pretty yeah. much every year. They banned it this year. Make the case for it. In my opinion, I think that's the right thing to do for musky fishing. We were actually just up at Lake Vermilion fishing just for fun and known lake for muskies and we saw a countless number of boats literally just driving around with live scope looking for individual fish before they were even fishing so I think it kind of takes away the sport of muskie fishing and you know the fish at 10,000 casts when you can just drive around like one. Uh -huh. However for bass fishing it's a really helpful tool in the bass fishing tournament scene. The technology really helps. It's a lot of fun to use. It can help you learn a lot about the fish. Just because you have live scope doesn't help you necessarily catch them. And it's the same for musky guys. Like, musky's not just going to bite because you can see it, but yeah. it helps you learn a lot about what the fish are doing, how they react, baits, different colors. I think it's just a big learning tool, and it helps a lot for me, and it's, it's a lot of fun to just use for fun, too. Okay. Well, where have you fished in Wisconsin and Minnesota? I imagine you fished all over, but name a couple of your favorite lakes in each state. Yes, I grew up around the Fond du Lac area, Ripon area. I'd say my favorite lake is Big Green Lake, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And then fish on Lake Winnebago a lot. We, kind of, we live close to Winnebago now, or my family does, in, in Wisconsin. We also enjoy going up to northern Wisconsin, just all kinds of lakes up there with really good smallmouth fishing. And then once I got out to Minnesota, I... I'm probably the closest to Lake Minnetonka, which is a difficult lake, definitely, but it's been fun to, I've been able to learn it a little bit, and then, you know, obviously Lake Mohawk is a world-class fishery, so I've gotten to fish that a few times. All right. This is late in the season for bass. We've seen turnover in some lakes, water's cooling. What is your strategy for late-season bass fishing? We're actually going to be going up this coming weekend to go, go up to northern Wisconsin and try to catch some late-season smallmouth. and going to be focused style baits. The fish should be putting on a feed bag now and starting to, to bulk up for winter when they're more dormant. So be throwing stuff, jerk baits, um, swim baits. I know in Wisconsin you can throw the Alabama rate with three hooks on it. So be throwing that around and trying to find some fish. Can't do that in Minnesota. You can only have one hook. A little bit different rule, but we're looking for fish. They're starting to probably move out deeper. Well, for smallmouth, they're going to they're gonna move out to their wintering holes once it gets cold. And we're fishing those moving reaction baits for the fish that are feeding up before they go into their winter holes. I doubt we'll see any water in the 40 degrees yet, but once that happens, blade baits are a really good bait for smallmouth, especially in Wisconsin for catching late-season smallmouth right before the ice hits. We're trying all that kind of stuff. 
How do you deal with turnover in lakes where that happens? It's an interesting event for the fish. It moves them. It, it really makes them focus on where the bait goes. With the drop in the water temperature getting down into the 60s and the 50s, um, that's the time for them to feed. Well, if you can locate the bait, whether the bait stays deep or goes super shallow, you know, five feet or less, I know usually the bass are going to follow them. It can be different for every lake depending on the situation of the turnover in the lake. I was out this past weekend and there was fish eating bait in a foot of water or less. Wow. And then there was also some fish feeding on bait out in 20. So it, it just really depends where the bait is and bait will be in different spots. But you know, I think the focus on is just staying on the bait this time of year where they're going. Follow the food. Yep. All right. Any other advice for people before we let you go? Maybe what's the first thing you do when you come to a lake you're going to fish this time of year? Well, this time of year, I check probably the main feeding locations of where fish should set up on main points of a lake. Like if you're going to a lake in Wisconsin, for example, there, there's usually you know main lake points or drop-offs right to where it would lead to a deeper hole to where the fish would potentially winter. For example... My home lake is like Green Lake, Wisconsin, Big Green. And there's a few spots out there where there's some nice, really good breaks off of some bars or humps where it comes up where the fish will be feeding right now. But once it gets even colder, they're going to slide off the edge a little bit and then basically winter there. So you can find main lake feeding areas and transitions. That's probably the best thing to do. And I kind of mentioned before, you can use the Omnia app to check your water temperature, live updating. So if I was going to go to a lake, I can see what the water temp is, first of all, before I even go using our water temperature layers. If it's in the 50s and 60s, I'll know that the fish are probably feeding a little bit. If it's getting down into the 40s, they're probably sliding off the edge, going into the deeper water, getting ready to winter, and that can help me you know, change tactics that I might be starting off with at a new lake. Save me a lot of time. All right. Well, Luke, that is all good advice, and I wish you good luck this weekend. Uh, I know a lot of folks will be out there doing everything fun in the outdoors because everything's open. You can hunt pheasants and grouse and deer and turkeys, oh, yeah. and then you can fish, and uh, a lot of folks will be doing that. So thank you so much, and maybe we'll catch up with you again for another report. All right. Yep, thanks for having me. You bet. Luke Lowy. Native of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, now in Minnesota with Omnia Fishing. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for his name, Luke Lowey, L-O-E-W-E, and all over omniafishing.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Rough Grouse Society, the well-being of the rough grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Attention future hunters, hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. 
Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the Disruption Camo Pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. They're having a big sale on pontoons, pre-owned boats, and they still have room if you're looking for winter storage. Uh, you can check out their website or Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camo wear at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com by Ducks Unlimited, a proud sponsor of our our show and duck hunters everywhere. Uh, find them at ducks.org. By Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, castlerock-petenwell.com. And by Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center, woodsideranch.com. And if our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, is not airing where you live, you can watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org. And last year's Deer Hunt Wisconsin show is archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel. And I'm working on the show for this year as we speak, and that will be posted there as soon as we are done with it in early November. Very good. Well, if you want to check out the uh, radio show and download it, uh, and take it with you. Maybe uh, had a chance to listen to this one, or maybe you want to catch something we talked about in a previous episode. Go to lake-link.com. Go to their outdoor radio page, and then you can uh, also check it out on the Outdoor News website, outdoornews.com/podcast. Find Dan on social media throughout the week at Dan Small Outdoors. Find me at Hardwater Jeff. And Mr. Hardwater Jeff, happy birthday! I know it's this week. It is, yeah, 41. Yeah, not a milestone this year, but an important <laughs> one. They're all important, I guess. Well, I suppose, you, yeah, they're, they're all milestones once you get past a certain point, right? Yeah, you got plans <laughs> to celebrate? No, not really, no. Uh, keep breathing, that's about yeah, it. There you go. All right, well, <laughs> enjoy your birthday week. That's what we celebrate in my family, because uh, siblings kind of forget sometimes when somebody's birthday is, and... It's happy birthday week, so uh, have a good one, and we will talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Dan. Thanks. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend, but be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio.
that swallows the moose's nose and the heron is fishing on one cold leg when the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home to you when my wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel when my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure when the worms go dry in the coffee can honey 